Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the passage we just read in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48, the Lord Jesus gives some further explanations concerning what he taught us to pray for in the third petition. And in this particular instruction that we read this afternoon for his disciples, he told them to place the, the whole question of doing God's will in the context of his second coming, when every thought indeed will be tested and judged. He compares doing the will of God to being ready for the coming of the Son of Man. When we pray the third petition, we are asking God to help us to always be ready, to always keep our lamps burning, to work faithfully at our office and calling until he comes. Our Lord Jesus Christ shows us that Christians will want to see God glorified through their obedience to his revealed will in his commandments. When we consider the Lord Jesus' teaching that there will be consequences for those who do not do their Lord and Master's will while he is away, we are able to define our requests to God in the third petition even further. The different levels of punishment, the striking verses that we read in verses 46 to 48 there, the, the description there, the different levels of punishment reveal what outright rebellion and unbelief, that this offends God the most. And then we read that passive obedience of those who know the will of God but simply don't obey anyways, that's worthy of a severe beating. And those who disobey God because they don't know the will of God will receive the lightest punishment. And our Lord Jesus taught us to pray in light of, of this description. He taught us to pray that we might know and obey God's will. That we won't disobey him in any way, whether it be in rebellion or in weakness or in ignorance. And our desire for this obedience grows stronger when we consider the consequences for rebellion against the Master and the nearness of our Lord Jesus' coming. And I preach you the gospel that Christ's spirit within us makes us desire to do God's will. And when we pray the third petition, we pray thankful that God's will has been done, that it can be done, and that it is the only good. The gospel starting point of our prayer, the third petition, is that God's will has already been done for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Our salvation does not depend on our ability to do God's will, but only on our faith in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, has fulfilled all righteousness for us. Matthew 3, verse 15 and he's, he did that in our place. He has done the will of God. He has obeyed the commandments perfectly. He has earned the right to open the door 
of the kingdom of God for all who believe in him. That's the context in which we are praying. In, in that moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that's the moment that we cross from death to life. Our Lord Jesus carries us from the darkness and into the household of God, where Jesus is Lord and Master. We do not need, we do not pray to God that we might earn our salvation by our obedience to his will, but we pray that we may do the will of God because we already have the promise of salvation. Because our sins are forgiven, we desire to fear the Lord. Psalm 130, verse 4. And when the Lord Jesus teaches us about his return in glory in these parables we, we read together, look at where he places us, the church. He places us in his household. He is addressing believers and their children. He is addressing the covenant people of God who know their master, who have been told that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. We pray the third petition knowing that we have a master who loves us. And then the third petition, really, we see it's a petition, a, a request that follows the line of Jesus' teaching in John 15. We ask God that we might remain, we might abide in Christ. By the grace of God, we can already know our, our God who is to be feared. Chapter 12, verse 5. We know that this God who is to be feared has become the protector of all who acknowledge him. That's Luke 12, verses 8 to 12. And as a loving father, he provides the children of his household with all the, the riches that they need for the kingdom. Luke 12, verses 28 to 34. And so while we wait for the return of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, we, we know that we have been made rich in him already. And that raises the question, well, if, if, if Christ's obedience already saves us, that's enough. What does the spirit of Christ within us make us desire to do? What, what desire has the spirit of Christ placed within us? What are we asking for in the third petition? Why do we still desire to do God's will. And when we look at the parables that our Lord Jesus taught in Luke 12, we see that he makes it clear that the church is still waiting for the final consummation of all things. And we are praying this third petition as we are, are waiting. And so the spirit of Christ within us makes us want to be faithful to him in his kingdom so that we can share in his complete victory and blessing. The Lord Jesus' description of doing the will of his Father in heaven shows us what kind of people we want to be when we are praying the third petition. In the first parable, that's 35, verses 35 to 40, 
And the Lord Jesus shows us that doing God's will as redeemed believers is showing allegiance to him. It is being alert and, and being ready to receive him at the hour that he returns so that we can have a meal with him. And he, in fact, is the one we are told who will serve at that meal. That's a, that's a whole sermon, the, the gospel in itself, the idea that when our Lord Jesus comes, he will get himself dressed for service and serve us at the meal. But we see then that, that we want to be a part of that fellowship, to be with that Lord. That's what we're asking in the third petition. In the second parable, doing God's will is equated with acting as good stewards in the master's kingdom who give the proper portions to everyone in the household. It is this faithfulness to Jesus Christ, to remaining in him, that we pray for in the third petition as we await the coming of our Lord. Lord, we, we want to share in your love. We want to, to, to enjoy fellowship meals with you. We want to serve as obedient stewards in your kingdom. That's what doing your will looks like. Guide me, guide all believers to stand firm in this grace and privilege so that we as a congregation, and here we, we're praying for one another, we're praying together, we as a congregation, young and old, that we all may abide in you and you in us, and so the aroma of Christ may fill our hearts and may fill our homes. May we be immersed in you, O Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And this we pray thankful that God's will can be done. God's will has been done for us by Jesus Christ, and our salvation depends on our submission and trust in God rather than anything that we might do. That's the starting point. And when we pray the third petition, the Holy Spirit makes us recognize that this doesn't remove everything from our plate as Christians. We, we want to remain in Christ and we realize that this has a shape to it. It, it involves an attitude. And the Holy Spirit makes us recognize that the most important thing is the attitude of our hearts before God. When Jesus compared our obedience to God's, uh, to God's will to the angels in heaven who have a different task than we do, he made it clear that it is not what we do that is most important, but, but how we do it. He says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he's comparing us to angels who have a completely different job, task, than we do. But he says, let's be like them. Lord, help us to be like them. You will notice that in all Jesus' parables about obedience, the fundamental difference between those who please God and those who displease him is the attitude in their hearts. 
In the parables of Luke 12, our Lord Jesus teaches this attitude in such a way that we can learn what attitudes we want to avoid and what attitudes we want to have. If you look at those parables in Luke 12, you can see that when we ask our Father that His will be done, we are asking His Spirit to keep all laziness, all negligence, all selfishness far away from our hearts and our lives. We don't want to be like the sleeping servant. We don't want to show dishonor to our master or despise his eagerness to have us recline at his table so that he could serve us. We don't want to stop believing that Jesus Christ will come again and lose our fear of God and our love for our neighbor. Rather, in all things, as we confess, we want to deny our own will and only obey God's will. And so we ask God to give us a love to honor our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, a desire to live prepared for his coming, to be faithful in all our tasks and in all our duties that he has entrusted to us in our office and calling. Help us, we pray, to be eager for your coming, eager to honor your name, loyal to you, ready and prepared to open the door and feel your embrace and enjoy fellowship together. Oh Lord, give us the attitude that our Lord Jesus taught us in the third petition, an eagerness to, to be like the, the, the doorkeeper, the, the one who's, who's standing at attention, who's ready to serve you. Let us be as willing and faithful as the angels in heaven. Without the godly desire to do God's will, without that godly desire to honor his son, nothing we do will glorify God or serve our neighbor. That's why we pray for that attitude. And at the same time, although our attitudes and our desires are are clearly in the teaching of our Lord Jesus the most important thing. The Lord Jesus also teaches that they are not the only thing. There's, the Lord wants more than just a good attitude. Our Lord Jesus teaches us this in the parable in Matthew 21, verses 28 to 32. You can maybe write that down, but look at it later. It's that parable about the two sons who were sent to work in the field. One said... He wouldn't go, but in the end, he did go and he did obey. And the other son said he would go, but he didn't follow through. He didn't end up going to the field. And then at the end of this parable, the Lord Jesus asked the question, which of the two did the will of his father? And we know, right? The sincerity of our desire to remain in Christ's righteousness is proven by our faith that expresses itself in love and our willingness to repent of our sins and follow Jesus Christ. It is God's will that we respond 
to our calling with, with the promptness. But even if we delay and murmur against his will, the Lord Jesus says still at the end of, his, at the, end of the day, it is a person who believes in Jesus Christ, who actually obeys the Father that will be saved. Rebels will be condemned, we see in Luke 12, verse 46. Those who don't know God's will will be beaten the least. It's Luke 12, verse 48. And those who don't do the will of God, even though they know it, will be severely beaten. That's 12, verse 47. That's our category. We who hear the law every Sunday are in the category of those who know the will of God. And that is why we pray the third petition. We all together pray not only for the right attitude in our lives, but also that we may be faithful in carrying out the duties of our office and calling, moving beyond those intentions to the actions. And although this will look different for every person in this congregation, depending on their unique gifts, responsibilities, talents, there are boundaries for every person. We don't have to fulfill the calling of other people. At the end of the day, every Christian will eagerly desire to actually do things that glorify God and serve his kingdom. And so we pray that your will be done. And our Lord Jesus teaches us that God's will is quite simple, quite down to earth, something that every one of us can actually do. Love God and love your neighbor. Once again, our Lord Jesus teaches this attitude and these actions in such a way that we can learn what actions that we want to avoid and what actions we want to have. He teaches it negatively and he teaches it positively. When we ask our Father that his will be done, we are asking his Spirit to help us to not avoid doing the right thing because we fear what man can do. Luke 12, verses 4 to 12. He's telling us not to hoard our wealth. That's Luke 12, 13 to 31. Lord, we pray we don't want to abuse our neighbor. We don't want to beat the fellow servants. We don't want to, to spend all our time focused on eating and drinking. And we, we pray that you will keep us from drunkenness. Luke 12, Verse 36, the servant was condemned because instead of being ready, he was drunk. Oh Lord, we don't even want to murmur when things appear too difficult. So grant that we may tie on our swoop shoes and just do whatever our office and calling and God's kingdom requests of us. And Jesus says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Luke 12, verse 43. Being dressed and 
dressed for action and, and being ready means being responsible stewards of the talents you have received, showing love and seeking to fulfill the desire of your heart to do God's will with promptness and willingness. And our Lord Jesus made it so clear when he said in verse 48, when he says at the very end, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Our confession explains that we are motivated in our desire to, to want to do it, to have a good attitude, to be willing, and also to be faithful, actually doing these things because we believe that God's will alone is good. We believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth. We believe that he is sovereign in everything that he does. We believe that he loves the creatures that he formed with his hand, that he placed in our place and station here in the world, Acts 17. We believe that he has shown us what is best for our lives. He's not hiding the good things from us. He's, he's showing that to us. And we know that he punishes disobedience because disobedience to his will only brings misery and suffering. He doesn't want you to be miserable and to murmur and to suffer. He wants you to have the good. And so he punishes disobedience so you learn to, to, to receive the good things that he has prepared for us. And then we see that when we seek to do God's will, we are not motivated by a fear of punishment for disobedience. That the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is not a, a question of fear that, we're, that motivates us, but it is because we know that God's will is good. He's the creator. He's sovereign. He has shown us how to live in true happiness and true satisfaction and, and true peace that no one can take away from us. And we know that it comes from being wise through the law of God. Psalm 1, we sang. Psalm 19, we sang this morning. This after the message, this afternoon, we'll sing Psalm 119. All these psalms that call the person who meditates on the law of the Lord blessed. Think about that, blessed. That's what we mean. God's will alone is good. Just page through Psalm 119. And you will see that when we follow the instruction manual that the creator who made us has given to us. When we live to glorify him, to show love to our neighbor by respecting authority, by defending life, by guarding purity in relationships, by showing generosity, by speaking honestly, then we can live in peace and joy and in all wisdom, God's will alone is good. That's why we desire to walk in it. We could do it another way too, to, to, to convince ourselves to see it clearly. Compare for a moment, maybe you can even do that in your own life. It's, we have a sinful human nature. We, we, we sometimes live in, uh, against God and sometimes we're more led by the Spirit. But compare the, the two ways of living. Just compare the fruit of selfishness with the fruit of generosity, 
Or compare the fruit of anger and violence in your life, if that ever happened, if you were angry, and the fruit of that. What was the result of that for yourself, for those around you? And compare that with the fruit of being patient and peacemaking. Compare the, the life of, of wasteful living or negligence or drunkenness to the life of sober-minded, kind stewards. Compare the complainer and the murmurer with the content and willing friend. You see the, the fruit of these different ways of, of living, and, and you see that God's will alone is good. We want to see God's will obeyed because we know it has the power to transform culture, to bring healing, to bless us with abundant life that is really life, our Lord Jesus says in John 10. There is no good apart from God. We know that. We know that inside, by the grace of God, and so we pray that all men everywhere may seek to do his will, share in his goodness. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus showed us that he desired to see wisdom in the world, that the church must pray for wisdom that's living according to the law of God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Teach us, O Lord, to fulfill the duties of our office and calling to your glory and to the well-being of our neighbor in all humility. Lord, grant that I may be a member of this congregation to your glory, a child or parent or grandparent according to your will, a husband or wife in accordance with your revelation a plumber, an electrician, a teacher, a builder, an engineer, a doctor, whatever else. I'm sorry if I, I didn't name your profession. The, the, the point is in, in every calling that we have that we do so in a way that conforms to God's will so that we are ready for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because we believe that this is the only way to live. This is the only good this is the only way of living that will continue, that will last for all eternity. So we pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.